You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Of, of, of the new year is almost done, so it's not like actually even, it's not even the new year anymore. Um, Dave, uh, you know what? Dave Davies from Bees on Internet Marketing, Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. I always forget that introduction part. <laughs> It's been a wild week. I mean, like, seriously, we, we have a great show coming up. We, uh, we're we going to be talking about, like, EAT and user experience. We're going to be talking about a whole bunch of things, Google. We have, like, two amazing characters in the SEO and the SEM uh, community, Mary Davies and Sherry Thurow coming up. And my head is stuck on snippets. Yeah, I think everybody's is. WTF, man. Like, <laughs> like... Um, okay, for the odd listener who doesn't, do you want this one or should I stammer my oh, way through? Go right ahead. <laughs> okay, so you do all the right things. You work with your client's website and you phrase the answer to a question just so damn well. You get the schema right and you get that spot zero, the, the featured snippet. And you get so much attention, you just can't... You, you, you can't sit down because your client wants to pat you on the back every five seconds and it's just inconvenient. That's how good it is because you got the feature snippet. And you also, you know, because it's an added bonus because you did so well on the site, you got like a, a placement underneath there too, eh? Mm-hmm. Well, not exactly. Uh, what the good Google giveth, the um, very mean Google will taketh away in the biggest of ways because if you got yourself, if you got yourself a feature snippet, that page ain't ranking anywhere else in Google. It's, it's Google's like, we, we, hey, we gave you a lot of attention. What do you want? 
<laughs> we got your content, buddy. So, um, yeah, uh, and, and see, that wasn't a very good explanation because I'm really mad about this. Yeah, it, it's it's an interesting, an interesting, interesting scenario. And I mean, you know what? Credit to Bill Slosky because <laughs> he pulled something off that found an exception. And credit to Lily Ray because it was her tweet that informed me of, of this sort of. And that is true. I, saw, I, remember, I know where you're going with this. She's absolutely yeah. right. Go um, for it. And it, it is interesting. So we, we've got a scenario here where, where we all thought yesterday, you know, whatever you want to call it, featured snippet apocalypse, right? However you want to call this thing, right? Where, yeah, all of a sudden, if you have a featured snippet, you're not ranking on page one anymore. Well, that's um, mm -hmm. Uh, now all of a sudden, yeah, and, and to the credit, forget, because that's what we all kind of like thought, like the initial reactions. Now, I don't think anybody really stopped to think about it a whole bunch, including myself. Like I'm putting me in there and going, ah, and for most of us, it was the same page, right? If you ranked and you had a featured snippet, chances are it was the same page. Well, almost always, because you're answering a question for a query. Like, almost it, always. Exactly. How many of us are going, I need to have three pages answering the same question that are of a high enough value that actually you would have both? Well, let's enter Bill Slosky, <laughs> who found a, an exception. Well, not an exception, but found the rule to that, where he actually had two pages um, that were ranking. One of them had the featured snippet, Obviously, that one was dropped off the first page of the organic search results, and I don't count the featured snippet as an organic search result, but his second page is sitting quite comfortably right below that, uh, right below the featured snippet. So now he has zero and one. Okay, but guess, this happens, but you got you to what what's the query? Like, um, I mean, like, there's just so many qualifiers you want to, yeah. qualifying questions you want to ask when you say, okay, Bill, I get the experience, but how did you get there? Well, and there, there is that, and how many of us, are going, tell me, I mean, okay, you're like a, pretty much a pure, if I understand correctly, pretty much pure, pure content SEO. So actually for Jim, this could be a win and he could now have to go to his client and go, all right, we got you all those featured snippets. Now what we need to do is for every one of them, build a second high quality page. <laughs> yeah. All these high quality, I'm telling you, man, all these high quality content pages are going to produce some of the crappiest content you ever read. And it's going to be rampant. It's going to be <laughs> We're going to run out of URLs. We're going to run out of collections of letters. But I mean, that's, that's, it is part of what we're going to have to consider. A lot of people yesterday I saw them discussing, am I going to have to like pull back my schema? Am I going to have to, you know, and there's, there's some little like workarounds, like tapping yeah. out your schema and stuff like that. Um, I, I think there are going to be a lot of considerations. Fortunately, we, we I, I'm, I'm collecting data and I immediately went in and started dumping in data for, for one of our larger, like has thousands upon thousands of pages with featured snippets. And I logged them all, got their positions yesterday immediately and went, okay, a week from today, we'll see what happens to their traffic. So that okay, I knew. So are, are, are you, are you using things like a no snippet tag to, to, to block the formation of a snippet in the we're, first place? We're not right now. Um, and will that become a recommendation? You know what, I, I actually, I, I was in a, in sort of a roundup of like first thoughts like 15 minutes after it happened in, in SEJ, um, but it was actually Alan's, like I like to think I can lend some value, but it was Alan's constant assertion that was bang on right. We say it almost every time there's an update, this one is no different. We need data. <laughs> well, okay, and so but to, to, to that, uh, over coffee this morning when I, when I was, when I was uh, uh, 
I'm sorry, yesterday when I was first reading this, uh, the, 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 the snippet apocalypse, I'm thinking who has a large enough collections of sites that, that are achieving featured snippets um, mm -hmm. where, you know, we could actually have a baseline to make an experiment. And could you form an experiment because, you know, you might have produced a bunch of content that got featured snippets, but I think you'd be hard pressed to say this is exactly what got those snippets. Well, and on top of that, one of the considerations we're going to have to make is what is your organic position? So to come in with a hard and fast rule, oh, featured snippets hurt traffic. You need to block, you know, get rid of schema, do whatever it is, right? Like block featured and, 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 and downgrade and, and get rid of your featured snippets. Well, maybe, maybe not. I mean, yes, there yeah. can easily be a case where you're going, oh, well, yeah, I'm in position one organically. And this feature snippet is killing me, like it's, it's killing my traffic. And I don't, I'd rather have a competitor at position zero because it's a conversion intent term and, and they're just reading that answer and, and then they're going to click on the next one that says buy blue widget. But if you're organically position seven and we're pulling out that featured snippet, I can almost guarantee it would be case by case, but I can almost guarantee the position zero is better than organic seven in the traffic you're going to get. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, is what it, this is what it has to come down to at the, at the end of everything is uh, what is and is not uh, getting traffic to the page. Well, indeed. And that's assuming, you know, we're, we're talking like I'm thinking of this from a publisher perspective. If all that traffic was doing was coming in and reading, what is the history of blue widgets, but never buying one, who cares? Right. I mean, if I'm selling blue widgets, if I'm a publisher, I obviously care heavily, but you know, with, with advertising revenue, but if I'm just here to sell blue widgets, so what, right? Like, did it affect my bottom line, right? And so that's, that's another one of the things that'll come in. And that's what I'm thinking, okay, well, if, if people are just going to this, this featured snippet page because it was informational, then I, I don't actually really care. I would actually rather have it or not. Like, it, 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 would, it would be case by case, but um, I would actually downgrade and lose that featured snippet if I was finding that the featured snippet just resulted in like informational queries and then change up my titles to like attract conversion clicks with my organic. So right? this is likely, likely first question you're going to be asking when, when, when making the assessment six months from now, is this like, is this a product page or is this purely an information page? Well, that's it. We're going to be doing our, our first sort of larger scale assessment, um, towards the end of next week, maybe next weekend. Um, where we'll have a, a pool of, of thousands of featured snippet pages that we can now assess and go, okay, what happened to the traffic here? It'll only be week over week. It'll be preliminary. But if it's big enough, it'll at least give us some idea. Like if it's a dramatic change, it'll give us some idea relative to what happened to other pages on the site um, that didn't change much in, in the organic results. So hopefully won't be by the next time we, we have a, um, a, a show, but hopefully the, the week after that we'll be able to um, get, get some analysis of it. That and, and and of course you'll share, right? <laughs> and of course I will share. Um, yeah, this will be some some interesting stuff. Um, so yeah, and and I, I mean that was obviously the the big thing. There has been some other stuff, and you know what? We're talking about URLs. We talked about the length of URLs. We 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 we've talked about having the problem with URLs. Google gave us this great piece. You know, I love what I'm covering. Like, I had no idea we were even asking this question. Google had to get some clarification, thanks to uh, Danny. Um, the most important part of a URL, if you're wondering, is the domain. 
Like, I didn't know what? we were actually even asking this question. <laughs> Is this update with, with uh, hidden text won't get you rankings? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what, what kind of week has this been? Yeah, I know. It was, uh, it was just a, a bit crazy. Um, Recursion week over and over and over and over again. In, in, in defense, it, it, it was funny because of the way the story came out. It was actually based on a Wired article. Um, which was basically saying Google wants to kill URLs or, or and kill domains, and it, it's that's been floating around for a while. Heck, I think we've probably talked about it on the show because there's been some sort of moves um, in that direction in different ways. But at the end of days, um, how? Right? <laughs> I'm still going to need. I, I need an address to put things in. You know, if if, if we go 100% voice, like my entire experience with with computers it, is in Star Trek, right? <laughs> even then, even then you still need a routing system of some sort or another. That file exists somewhere. Well, it's, exactly. Exactly. And why not stick with domains? Because we all have them already. Now, um, what's weirding me out is the, the announcement that they're going to be killing cookies uh, a year a year from now. In 2021, yeah. uh, we're going to yeah. be in a cookie-less world. Tracking data is going to be very different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, there's this third party. You can still do your first party um like okay certainly so so google so you're saying google won't be tracking me when i'm on um uh uh whatever other websites i might be out there on see now and and that might be a wonderful thing to think but i don't believe it to be yeah exactly google did not make this announcement before having their solution in place right i don't know specifically what it is and somebody may and and i'm actually i i've got it email out and I'm hoping to have somebody on next week to touch on this. And we also have another guest um, who is going to be really interesting in talk, speaking of domains, uh, kind of think of it because we're going to have uh, Mr. Bill Hartz on, Bill on uh, next week. Yeah. On, um, and I'm hoping to split because I, I really want to cover this and, and what we need to be thinking But yeah, the, the sort of dropping of um, third party um, cookies, the tracking that goes with them. Um, this is going to be a real headache for a lot of people most of whom, it's just a coincidence because this is for your security, happen to compete with Google <laughs> in the advertising space, right? I mean, but, but I'm sure they're just doing it so they can protect your, you know, the, the privacy of all their users because we all know how great Google has been doing at that. I mean, I'm, I'm going to go a little tongue in cheek, but this isn't really an area I super trust them. I trust them more than Facebook. But, uh, yeah. and that's, that's, not a, that's not the highest of, of, of bars. Um, but, uh, but anyway, I, I, you know, clearly there were some business decisions in their defense, you know, and I, I, I sort of jab at them there at the same time, they have been very clearly moving towards, um, you know, more in the way of privacy while still maintaining. And, and I want to know more about how they're going to pull it off while still maintaining their ability to hyper target advertising. So it'll be interesting to see what they're doing, um, with that, but um, you know, I, I do actually believe that their, their intent is kind of good, at least in like probably the first person who thought about it, but I'm sure that they're making it a nightmare scenario for a lot of people who compete with them in the advertising space. Um, I'm sure that's, that's a pleasant byproduct of this move for them. Because they very much can. <laughs> because they can. That's a great way to word that. Okay. Uh, well, you know what? Speaking of third parties, we got a couple of third parties waiting in the wings, and we don't want to keep waiting too long because, uh, well, this goes to 
really impolite, and we do got to go to break. But we have something sad to report before we do. Earlier this morning, it was announced that uh, Jim Lehrer, one of the one of the last the great American journalists, founder of uh, what became PBS NewsHour, he died this morning at age eighty-five. Um, that's a little bit of sad news. Um, virtual ending of an era with the passing of, uh, of James Lair. Yeah. Okay. On that, we're taking a break. We're coming back with uh, two really well-known SEOs, uh, Mary Davies, very well-known to the to the uh, SEO community, quite well-known to, to Dave Davies, her husband, um, <laughs> and Sherry Thurow, um, uh, SEO who whose career goes back well, back to the very, very beginning of the of the industry. They're going to be talking about um, eat and user experience. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. It passes before it's noticed. A slight rising of the eyebrows, a widening of the eyes. It may be accompanied by an almost imperceptible inhalation. The heart adds a beat like a quiet exclamation point on the experience. Within a tenth of a second, the reaction has passed, but not without leaving its mark. Someone found what they're looking for. Does your website deliver impulses to act? It can. Intended Consequences is the podcast for digital marketers who see their job as changing hearts and minds. If you're frustrated, bored, or in a rut, it's time to spread your wings with me, Brian Massey, and my guests. Find out how successful, curious, creative, and data-driven marketers are making a difference on purpose. Visit IntendedPodcast.com or find us where you get your podcasts. Intended Consequences, marketing on purpose. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. WebmasterRadio.fm is now part of the WMR.fm podcast network. Evolving every day to meet today's demands. We are pioneers of podcasting, staying at the forefront of digital marketing, business, and entrepreneurship. WMR.fm enters the 2020s leading the way, expanding our spectrum of shows set to educate, entertain, and engage. We are the WMR.fm Podcast Network. Off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. It's Jim Hedger with Showies Media, Dave Davies with Beanside Internet Marketing. And uh, we're joined by uh, Mary Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. And uh, and this is great. We're joined by uh, Sherry Thorough from uh, from Omni Marketing Interactive. Um, Sherry, Mary, welcome to Webcology. 
Thanks. <laughs> I got one voice over there saying thanks. Is oh, can you hear? And another voice over there. They're both in the room. Excellent. Welcome here. Yes, we are. Long time no here, Jim. Absolutely. How's it going? Oh, it's fantastic. It's snowing, but it's still fantastic. Okay, so we have both of you in the room here at here at our webcology. You're both going to be in the same room in a month in uh, San Jose at SMX uh, West. And the session you're doing is covering um, um, eat and user experience. Um, what's the name of the What's the name of the, the session? That's a really good question. Sure, <laughs> you know off the top of your head. <laughs> You'll know when you show up. <laughs> uh, it, it's UX and eat. That's real. That's basically what the session. It's is. something about them being more connected. I think. Yeah, I'm just looking it up really fast here. <laughs> yeah, okay, well, UX is user experience, and eat is expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness, and how they're related. Okay, well... Uh, the official, I just thought the official is UX and EAT, more connected than you think. It even rhymes and I couldn't remi remember it. Shoot. <laughs> well, um, um, again, expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness are um, concepts out of the uh, quality rating handbook, the, 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 the uh, search quality raters uh, uh, guide. Um, and user experience is... An amorphous, um, an amorphous series of of measurements. I guess I guess you would say how somebody moves from point A to point B to point C to point Z on on a page and their experience in, in doing so. How 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 do the two relate to each other? Should we talk in on each other? <laughs> I guess I'll give a little. <laughs> Both of us being very very polite with each other. <laughs> we don't have PowerPoint here. You see, that's a no, that's a problem. No, uh, the thing is, um, I think a lot of it has to do with all the fake news and making content more reliable and more trustworthy. And user experience, I love that word amorphous because it's very difficult to find a good definition of user experience. And... What Google's trying to do is basically make their content more trustworthy. And they're using the, the quality raters to assist them in trying to find this content algorithmically. So um, they're looking for characteristics of web pages, characteristics of domains, characteristics, just characteristics that that can prove all three of these concepts. Okay, so again, um, uh, 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 experience, uh, authority, and trustworthiness. Okay. They really are just so incredibly connected. Like it was, it was actually funny when I was sort of trying to put an outline together. Um, I kept on running into catching myself going, "No, but that's UX," and I was like, "Oh, but it actually is." <laughs> like they really are sort of one and the same in in a lot of areas. Well, how does that work? I mean, you can. I'm. I, I'm thinking back to the days of, say, Jacob Nielsen, the, uh, the the one of the the first U.S. the U.S. experts who basically preached a completely stripped down version of a web page, just your website, just give them what's necessary. Um, it was a. It was use it dot com. Remember that? 
for yeah, those absolutely. who were around. <laughs> so it was a it was a Craigslist like user experience. Um, but but the information might be extremely solid. So how can you how can you gauge the veracity of information based on the user experience on a website? You can have a beautiful site, but horrible information. I'm honestly when I'm doing UX audits and I'm working with people, the first thing I ask people is, does every piece of information content on the page matter? It's that easy. Like that's sort of my starting point. And and if you if you have content on a page for the sake of content on the page, it's not good for the user. It's not good for Google. So that's always sort of the first step. So I do really actually agree with that sort of, you know, Spartan less is more approach to your content. You know, obviously not just the top five words you can think of that would define it, but, but does it have a purpose? Um, and I'm actually going to be covering sort of examples of that in, in my session at SMX actually. Sherry, um, I, I, actually, you you knew Jacob, um, if I remember correctly. Um, first, as at, it was the first search engine strategies conference. Jacob Nielsen and I sat next to each other on a panel, and I can remember I didn't like him, and I didn't like what he had to say, even though it was true. And he ended up being, uh, and still is, one of my uh, teachers and my staff gets training from him and so uh, it's, and that's why I thought it was funny when you mentioned him um, I, well, when, when I think of user experience I'm again and, and it's just I'm, I'm absolutely dating myself here but my mind tends to go back to uh, I guess the, my, my original guru um, and and again I can think of so much of the web that has been uh, modeled off of Jacob Nielsen's thoughts but I'm, st I'm still not making the connection on how a really good user experience is a predictor of good, strong content. Have you heard of Peter Morville's user experience honeycomb? I have not. So I would type into Google user experience honeycomb and you'll, you'll, you'll usually see it before because there's a lot of images of it. And there are seven characteristics that we use to define what a good user experience is. And even Donald Norman at the Interaction Design Foundation has endorsed this. So, um, for example, uh, their usability, accessibility, desirability, and this where delight comes in, usefulness, value, credibility, and think about this, credibility and trust. There, mm -hmm. that, uh, there's a wonderful relationship there and findability which I think is fantastic because a lot of people that define user experience don't even include findability well you can't use it and you can't be delighted with it if you can't find it <laughs> a lot of them built our careers on exactly that indeed so <laughs> SEO and even information architecture are a part of user experience so, in portion of the presentation, I am giving, showing Peter Morville's user experience honeycomb, but I still encourage people to look at this online because it's been around since 2004. And you'll find that a lot of the items in his user experience honeycomb 
when you go into Google's uh, quality guidelines, and even the quality guidelines from years ago, you'll notice that there's tremendous overlap. Okay, well, you're saying that 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 many UX theories go back again to the to the the, the uh, foundational days of the of the commercial web, the the late '90s, early two Ks. Um, the idea of expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness goes back to at least 2013, um, early part of 2013. How is Google, just to step back a little bit for the listeners, Google's quality uh, quality raters, Google actually employs people to sort of rate the effectiveness of its algorithms. And it gives them uh, quite, a, quite a thick handbook that SEOs hang off of because it's one of the few actual tips we get from Google on, on what they're looking for. But it doesn't necessarily mean that what's in that book is, is in the algorithm. It just means they want the raters to score the, I guess, success or effectiveness of the algorithm against what they see on, on, on various pages. So I guess this question is, um, uh, Mary, will you, will you and Sherry be, be uh, presenting different parts of, um, will, will one of you be speaking to uh, expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness, and the other to user experience? Or are you both sort of just like, like, like covering it in general? We'll both actually be covering it in general, but from sort of a different perspective, because, um, you know, as we've both sort of pointed out, they do really work together. And that's what we're sort of wanting to tie in. And and um, I don't think either one of us, given our sort of passion for UX, would want to give that up. <laughs> so that will definitely be a big part of um, what we're going to be talking about. Um, we're taking different approaches, but everything that we have is sort of building on what the other person is saying. Um, so it'll be, you know, it'll be interesting to sort of see two different perspectives that sort of support each other, which I think is really what we're trying to present. Um, I know for, for me, I'm, I'm going to be coming more from a perspective of uh, the don't do this, do this approach. Um, you know, sort of some real life examples of where I see people kind of, kind of taking the wrong path and, and ways to sort of improve that. Um, and I think Sherry's bringing just a ton of, you know, she's been at this for a really long time. So she's just got an immense amount of sort of knowledge over the years that she would like to share as far as, you know, her um, technical understanding of it, as well as, you know, I'm sure some real life experience as well, uh, examples and that sort of thing too. So yeah, we're both in short going to be talking sort of on both the EAT and the UX side, but from a different place, I suppose. Okay. Uh, quick user experience uh, note I just got from the studio. Um, Dave, you've been waving your hand from the corner of the studio over there. <laughs> yeah, I'm, not, I'm I'm like wandering as far away as I can from uh from from Mary so that uh I don't actually get just a true echo of hearing me bouncing off a wall in, in the office. <laughs> um so we we we're, we're talking about well, as, as we know here we're talking about UX and eat. So I'm going to ask sort of a, a loaded a loaded question here that, that keeps getting asked. And when Mary and I sort of chatted about, so I'm going to direct it at, at Sherry because I already kind of know what Mary thinks, but Mary, I'd like you to answer after for our listeners. Um, okay, so we, we talked about the quality raters guidelines. We talked about them as eat. And basically they create the signals around. I mean, okay, and, and you, can, you can elaborate on that, but I'm not saying that the signals come from the quality raters guidelines, but just, you know, this is where Google gets their understanding of, of what is good and what is bad and then create you know, adjust their algorithm appropriately. 
is there an aspect of post-click metrics that they would then use to augment their algorithm after? And, and yeah, I'm asking that like jerky question that Gary Eyes hates to answer, but, and I'm not actually just saying pure CTR or something like that, but once they've got this in there, is there a post-click metric analysis that would then have them adjusting the algorithm further? And is that where UX kicks in as a true eat signal? So Sherry, I guess I'll, I'll throw you under the bus on that one first. <laughs> first of all, I know this, you know, having worked on uh, what websites and usability testing and UX testing for many Sometimes bounce rate is that's high is a good sign. And sometimes bounce rate that's low is a bad sign. And it depends on user content. So for example, with mobile quick fact searches are very, very common. And a lot of times people are outside when they do the search. And so it's just it's just very quick. And if your website answers a question whether or not it's in position zero people are having a good experience with your site and they remember the site. Other times, people will click on your uh, the link to your site and they can't find what they were looking for. They get a false information sent. So Google is trying harder and harder and harder to understand user context. And I got news for Google. You can't do it because you can't read people's minds. So, and another thing is Google and Bing and other web search engines and search engines that haven't existed are terrible at determining collaborative or group searches. So, that's where UX comes in, but this might make you laugh, but a person who used to work at Google talked me out of taking a job in their UX department because they have a high turnover rate and he thought I would be miserable. So <laughs> I agreed with him. That's remember, remember, Sherry, that might have been back in the old Marissa Nyer days when they would argue for days over the shade of red. And blue and purple and pink. Oh, and, and their information. I do know one of the information architects at Google, and uh, you know, oh, I send him sympathy cards. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's funny because you look at them now. I know I, in a presentation I outlined all the um, changes that they'd made over the month prior, just to sort of you know surprise people in, in the volume. And there was seventeen. I'm like, yeah, you go from a time when there was months spent moving, you know the L down one pixel and now to like mass numbers of changes, you know, and, and, and a bunch of tests over, over a very brief, relatively brief period of time. So maybe you'd be happier now, but we're still happier on this camp and not their camp. So I'm curious how Google is measuring the um, expertise or the authoritativeness or trustworthiness of, of any given page in its, uh, in its index. Um, what metrics could SEOs use, use to gauge where Google's at? So it's actually interesting. Dave and I have actually talked about um, in previous sessions that we've done, um, just really speaking about like SEO uh, and UX together, and sort of the the bouncing. You know, if if, if user is coming through to whoever's page looking for whatever it is they're looking for, and then they're going back into the search results. Um, 
basically clearly sending the signal. I didn't find what I was looking for and doing another search or going through to the um, next results. And I actually use that as sort of one of the examples in the session that I'm going to be working on here for, for us next, uh, which is not as far along as Sherry's, unfortunately. She sent this brilliant outline, and I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm behind the ball. Here's the thing. Sorry. Every time we get somebody who works at the search engines, we stand on our heads trying to get them to say, yes, we have post-click metrics that we use and that, that we're integrating into our algorithms or, or that, that affect our algorithms. And every time, they completely deny it. Oh, well, yeah, because that's what they do. <laughs> that's what they do. But like we have to we have to look at, you know, what was the next action? What was the next query? You know, did, did somebody go back into Google and go, OK, nope, didn't get what I was looking for. And um, I think that like, you know, obviously I come from from the UX side. That's really my passion place. And I always tell people, you know, why are you trying to rank for something that you're not delivering anyway? You know, like why have a misleading title or description to get that ranking spot that didn't actually provide that expertise, authoritativeness and trustworthiness, you know, to the, to the searcher, there's no point in getting that click if you're not actually going to make the sale, you know, on the other hand. So, um, you know, you can, it, it, it's hard to imagine that Google's not actually, you know, paying attention to that as well. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really a lot about like what's the next action after they go and come back. As, in my opinion. <laughs> Earlier, earlier in the episode, uh, Dave and I were talking about Google's announcement yesterday. The uh, the, the announcement: if you if you appear in a feature snippet, then that same page, that exact URL, is not going to appear in search results on the first and possibly subsequent mm -hmm. pages. Um, mm -hmm. We have been uh, on this show, and I, I think that just the the, the common uh, SEO slash webmaster. Uh, in common knowledge has been, you know, work really hard on creating good content, authoritative content, um, honest and trustworthy content, and uh, Google will reward you for it. So Google starts rewarding us with uh, featured snippets. Now they're taking away access to the website. You know, if you, if you get a featured snippet, you're probably not getting the click. Um, and now they're taking away your, your, your active link. I guess... The, the end of it is, what's the point in pleasing Google with expertise, authority, or trustworthiness if that's going to take the traffic away from you, ultimately will take the traffic from you? Is, is there a medium well, that you're going, to be, you're going to be getting clients to shoot for? Honestly, I think that what we have to do from a UX perspective is we have to see that there's different content for different purposes. So that featured snippet, in my opinion, because like this is brand new, right? We're all just sort of guessing what the plan is here. In my opinion, what they're probably trying to do is create featured snippets that um, sort of work for the voice search. And an incomplete answer in a featured snippet is no good on voice search because that, that requires that click through. So what I'm assuming they're doing is probably just scaling back to if the featured snippet gives a complete answer it stays. If it doesn't, it goes. Um, so it really just comes down to, you know, I wouldn't say that you don't need to have two pages maybe for the same piece of content so long as it fits sort of the end goal. Is the goal of that page to answer a voice search or is the goal of that page to sell a product and 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 maybe provide further information that, that needs that click-through? So it's not really... So much of uh, you know that they're taking away the click through. It's just maybe that we have to work a little bit harder. 
And I, and, I, and I'm not giving this tip um, in the conference, so I'm giving it exclusively to you guys, um, because the informational queries are so common, they are continuing to be the most common type of search query, it makes sense to have a featured snippet that gives you a quick answer. So a really good place to give a quick answer is an FAQ section of a website, or if you have a dictionary or glossary that tells you what something is, that can give you a quick answer. But a nice long blog post or an article can give you greater details about an answer to a question. And that is a way you can have multiple pages that could appear in position zero and also appear further down the page. But a lot of it has to do with informational queries and plus uh, voice queries tend to be long tail queries. Okay, as, 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 speak, as people speak a query, they, they, they articulate more of what they need? Well, think about it. It's, it's, it's not that they're better at querying. And, and just so you know, I'm studying how um, children use search engines right now. And it's really fascinating because it's, it's, it's how kids get the first initial mental model on how a search engine works. And a lot of times it's the bad mental model because a lot of teachers don't know how to teach people how to do search queries, but it's easier to speak than it is to type. That's yeah. why you get long, you get more long tail search queries just from that simple thing that it's easier to talk than to type or the keyboard gonna, or, or text. In, in the long run, is that going to change how people write, how people create content? Not until we get people who can teach kids, adults, and teenagers and tweens how to properly query. Um, that has not, um, there's not a lot, there are not a lot of people who are good at teaching people. So we call this search literacy. And um, that's why we, we're just not seeing it. It's, gonna, it's going to get there, but it's not going to get there now. I give it another 10, 20 years and we'll get there. Um, but for now, this is what we got. And just so you know, uh, I learned, and I was really shocked when I learned this in school, is that a search engine is considered successful if 30% of the results are accurate. <laughs> and, uh, to me, that's an F. That's an F. Yeah. If, if only SEOs were considered successful. <laughs> yeah, <same> exactly. <laughs> my prof my professors, I could you know, one of them was was new because she knew you know that's the area I study is search. She just I thought she was laughing at me. I could see her laughing because I know my jaw dropped and I think I dropped. I didn't drop my computer, but I dropped my mouse or something. Because that number was ridiculous, but it's true. Thirty <laughs> percent—it's considered successful if they get thirty percent. And I—I I, I hope that number changes because I think that that number is ridiculously wrong. Now, I mean, you, you bring up an interesting part on training. Like, basically, we need to educate people. Right? I, I find that funny because I'm like, oh wow. I mean, I, I would hate to look through like my search console query data if everybody searched like an SEO. That would just be a bloody mess. But we, are, are are you suggesting that the 
sort of onus is actually on not just us as SEOs, but as, as users of search engines to learn how to find what we want as opposed to what we've done historically, which is put the onus on the search engine to figure out how to interpret what we're asking and then leave it open to a bunch of SEOs to abuse that and, <laughs> and, and the flaws therein. That's what's happening. Uh, Jacob Nielsen calls it Google gullibility. I see it all the time, all the time, even in my own family, and I shame them for it, you know, in private, of course. <laughs> but Google gullibility, Bing gullibility, you know, whatever, search engine gullibility is alive and well. That's why you see people not leaving the first page, is they really believe that the first page results are give the most accurate information. And that's not always true. And we see this particularly in students, you know, uh, reading level and through high school is they, they, they're not even taught to cite properly in school. So, there is so much Google gullibility. There is so much not teaching people how to query properly. And it's such an easy thing to teach at each grade level. You know, if you're required to take freshman English, why shouldn't you be required how to search properly in, at colleges and universities? I don't get it. I, it because people would be much more effective in finding desirable content that's trustworthy if they, you know, if they had people teaching them how to search. I remember, I remember my first year at UVic, they, uh, University of Victoria, they, 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 they gave us a uh, optional tour of the library. This is before the commercial internet. Four of us from an entire freshman class, four people showed up. Oh, no. Of the library. Uh, I don't. I honestly don't. Don't see a lot of students lining up to learn how to use information retrieval techniques. Um, we're down to we're down to we're down to minutes. I'm afraid down to down to three or four minutes. Um, there's been a slew of core updates from Google. Um, do I, I have to ask questions really quickly? So I, I apologize for the phrase poorly, but in the in the last uh, six months, there's been nearly a dozen core updates. How does do these core updates um, in one way or another affect positioning, um, EAT, and uh, 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 webmasters' uh, reactions vis-a-vis user experience? Well, that's where Mary and I come in because we understand that algorithms change all the time because search engines update their information all the time. They're also testing web page items on their search results, but in UX, there are principles. And these principles stand the test of time. They, they go across all types of interfaces, not only web pages, and we see these principles get validated over and over and over again. And Google and Bing keep getting closer and closer to following these guidelines that have stood the test of time. And that's what we're both going to show at our SMX ses- session. Okay, so this is like what, what you're talking about, uh, the relationship between um, expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness. 
and user experience. This is about a process, a discipline of sorts. Is, is that what you're trying to get get to people? We are. And um, it's just a matter of a lot of it's common sense. I know it sounds strange, it's common sense, but when you do UX, you find that people tend to overlook the obvious. And that's because there's, if you're the web developer, or the designer, or the content creator, you're so into it, you, you overlook something that is needed. And we can show you things that are needed and just keep following that guideline. And you'll find that over time, your website's authoritativeness gets stronger and stronger and stronger. Um, that's something I'm showing as an example, and Mary's showing a great do and don't for that. And so, okay. yeah, I would, I would just absolutely second that. It's, um, you know, we keep going back to the, you know, quality rater guidelines, and it's like in there, the websites and pages should be created to help users. That's in there. It's pretty straightforward. Um, we know that that guideline helps to define the goals of a ranking system. Um, Google has said that. It, it doesn't say that this is exactly it, but it helps to define. Um, and like Sherry said, this is like this is common sense stuff. I I often tell people, just what do you do? Look at what you do. What's the content that gets you excited? What's the content that you find useful? What's the content that you absolutely you know roll your eyes and go ugh when you fit hit? It, you know, it's it's really just thinking outside of, especially as marketers, outside of what we've sort of been taught to do and, and just looking at, as a user, what do we do? And, and just sort of really taking a step back and being a human instead of um, just the robot. Okay, I guess this is, this is the last question, and I'm sorry, neither of you have very much time to answer it at all, but uh, we're, uh, do you, do you, do you, do you, do you do you see a number of uh, changes or changes in emphasis on uh, experience, authority, or trust from Google stemming from uh, recent uh, changes to, to, to the search algorithm? Um, is there, uh, I, I guess what I'm asking, is there a way you can tie user experience to uh, EAT in light of uh, changes in, in, in recent updates? Well, they're showing... Right now, in fact, I just was talking to a client about this this morning. Um, they sh they're showing the changes in how the breadcrumb links are displayed. So they're trying to show the website hierarchy. They're not using the right color, by the way, Google. You should not use gray. And so I know they're testing that to see how well the showing the hierarchy of your website does that help the user? Does not? Does it not help the user? Well, it does help the user to understand where they're going on a website because they land right in the middle of a website. Um, but have but where do they get that information? They actually get that information from your website. So even though they might not show those breadcrumb links in future search results, telling people where they're at when they land in the middle of your website is still a usability and a UX principle that every website owner should follow. Uh, Mary, I guess last I, words are going to be going down I to cannot you. even, 
you know, even just something as simple as what we looked at happened yesterday with the featured snippet, that is absolutely user-driven. That, that's, that's what that is. And nobody's going to get that featured snippet without that expertise, authority, and trust. So it's like that's just a tiny little but very bold sort of glimpse at what potentially, you know, could be driven just by UX and EAT. Um, you got to know what you're talking about. You got to be straightforward about it. And you got to be doing it in a way that the user finds it digestible. And that's how you get a featured snippet. And if it's not that, it's probably not going to be what they're picking. Um, but I think if we go back into any of the recent updates, it's all really very focused on making sure that the content that is there is helpful, useful, truthful. And that's in response to, you know, well, we've all been here. <laughs> there's been a lot of fake news. Can we use that? You know, we're not going to go down that road, but there's been a lot of, um, a lot of people getting away with a lot of bad content for a long time. So I think that everything that I'm seeing, you know, in recent sort of um, updates is really pushing more and more and more to putting a little pressure on all of us to, to create content that actually is helpful because there's just so much of it out there. Like there's just so much of it out there. And and Sherry was talking about, you know, people don't even want to go past page one. Um, there is a lot behind there. <laughs> but I sometimes find myself on page one with just a repetitive. You know, I can click through the top, you know, seven results and it's still it's the exact same information and none of it's fitting the need that I'm looking for. So I think there's just more pressure on us to to be that one who does actually create the right content, not just the content that has been created. Okay, so next month in uh, San Jose, um, what, uh, we, we, we don't have the session name, but do we have a, uh, a, a date and time? We do actually have the session name. I did. It is UX and EAT, More Connected Than You Think. That's the actual session title. Uh, it's and it's UX EAT. Like, like yeah, Uber UX Eats, but UX EAT. Sushi, UX and EAT. <laughs> and and it's like cookies. <laughs> Yeah, hey, we should bring cookies. <laughs> Get them all um, you can. At ten twenty-five in the morning on, I believe, on Thursday, February it's on Thursday. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we'll be there, and Barry uh, Barry Schwartz is our moderator, so he'll be keeping us in line. Oh my goodness! Okay, this that that would be a seriously fun session to attend, and um, just the historic knowledge in that room would be phenomenal. Uh, Sherry, I'm afraid I won't be at that uh, at that conference, so I give you virtual hugs from here. Um, virtual hugs back to you, too. It's been and, a while. And to you, too, Mary. Um, but we've gone full clock. We've gone full circle. That's uh, end of show. So, Sherry and Mary, thank you both for uh, spending part of your Thursday with us. Thank you for thank having you so us. Thank you for having us. Hey friends, you have been listening to Sherry Thurow and Mary Davies uh, on Webcology. They're going to be appearing at, uh, together on stage at uh, XMS West next month in San Jose. We've gone full circle. We, uh, we're going to be back next week with um, Dave. Who's our guest next week? Uh, we have Bill Hartzer, right? We, we do. We have Bill Hartzer for um, one of our segments. And um, I'm hoping to grab, and I, I'm not going to put the name out there just, just in case, but I'm somebody to chat about the cookie apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so friends, you gotta be, you gotta come back next week, but you gotta stick around, stick around the network. Some great content coming up on behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. This is Jim Hedrick from Joey's Media. You've been listening to Webcology on WebmasterRadio.fm on the 23rd of January, 2020. 
Stick around, Webmaster Radio, great content coming up. Stay safe. We'll talk to you next week. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.